message today is in two parts. This is the first part. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching and our being here today is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished forever. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. These are Paul's words to the new Christians in the city of Corinth. He tells them nothing else matters but the resurrection, and if that didn't happen, we Christians are the biggest fools, losers in the world, suckers for having fallen for the biggest lie there ever was. And we deserve to be pitied more than all the rest of humanity. This shows how much faith Paul has in Jesus. He bet his whole reputation with the church on it. Well, I mean, after all, Jesus visited him directly, didn't he? Came to him, spoke to him. So Paul knows with utmost confidence and assurance that Christ is resurrection from, resurrected from the dead. But don't just take Paul's word for it. Although it is enough, take the word of the women who came to the tomb. You'll hear about one of them in a moment. The people that were there when they saw the empty tomb, such as John and Peter and the women, assure us that Jesus is indeed the true and unique Son of God, crucified, dead, and buried on a Friday, risen out of the grave, glorious on Sunday. These witnesses proclaim that our Lord has conquered death, hell, and the devil and sin for us. The resurrection also proves that our bodies will be raised up on the last day, just as Jesus has promised. But let's consider... This morning, some other people who testified to the resurrection. Who could they be? My guess is you won't be able to guess it. Because these people are mentioned in only one of the four Gospels. Matthew. Well, there's a clue for you. Can you guess it still? What other people testify to the resurrection? They are the people who at the moment of Jesus' death on Good Friday rose out of the graves which line the sides of the Mount of Olives and along the Kidron Valley. These folks walked out of their tombs and walked into Jerusalem and were seen and heard. Now can you imagine what kind of reunion that was with these people's families? I mean, they've been dead, they show up at the door. And I'm, I'm not going to go in why it's only mentioned in Matthew and why that is and, and why there isn't more detail about it or commentary that you can find about it. I mean, you, give me a six-month sabbatical and I'll write a book about it, okay? I'll make my contribution to the Christian church. But until then, let's just be blown away that that happened. It gives credence to Jesus' resurrection. These people were dead and buried. For how long, we don't know. Could have been years, decades even. They were seen, and do you think it was kept a secret? 
Jerusalem would have been astonished. Despite the fact the Pharisees and the Jewish priests kept tight control over the city, it's no wonder Jerusalem was the first city to have Christians in it. Jerusalem was the first city to have a council of Christian meeting, which you can imagine really ticked off the Jewish council. Nevertheless, when you have people who were known to be dead, (laughs) alive again, and walking through your city gates and into the streets and into their families' homes, just three days before you hear that the man who said he was king of the Jews and God, who was crucified just outside the city, is also alive again and walking around speaking to people, man, there are going to be some believers. And we have Paul too. When I hear Paul say, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, I think of those people who were raised on Good Friday. Now Paul may be referring to the resurrection that every believer receives in the future tense that's guaranteed now, and even the resurrection we experience with Christ in our baptism. He might be referring to that, right? But I would say, and one could include these Lazaruses who walked into the holy city and were seen. How many of them we don't know, but there were many. As you continue to celebrate the resurrection of Christ today, be assured that these things are true for you and your neighbor whoever they may be. Amen. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. When was the last time you celebrated a big family reunion? This past summer? Labor Day? Thanksgiving or Christmas? Perhaps it's today on account it's Easter Sunday. You know, Easter weekend. Uh, I didn't grow up Christian, so Easter Sunday for me was like any other Sunday. But we would have family reunions at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I remember a really big summer reunion when I was 12. Uh, My dad hadn't been back to where he was raised in Massachusetts in 20 years. So we flew out there from California for two weeks. And everywhere we stopped to visit relatives, we had a big meal. Lots of food. There was always conversations and catching up on life and fun and laughter, but what seemed to be of prime importance was great food. I mean, have you ever had a New England clam bake in New England? Oh, there's nothing like it. It's so good. That was one of the best things I remember about that trip. And I would imagine for you as well, a big family reunion has got to have food at the center of it. Well, I'm pleased to see that many of you, so many of you, drove here today, this Easter, joining together not only with family members, but with the body of Christ, the church. During Lent and Holy Week here at St. Paul, we've, been exper- we've experienced it using a series called Promised Treasures, and it's been fantastic, one of my favorites so far. We've learned how much God loves us by reaching out to touch us not only through our ears by His Word, but also through our other senses, like smell and seeing and tasting and touching. We have touched ashes, salt, water, we've seen light, and we've also tasted bread. 
Well, today you taste milk and honey. Figuratively speaking, of course, I mean, if you want to come up here and take a swig of one of these, <laughs> you're welcome to it. It's delicious. But I think most of you know what milk and honey taste like. So keep that at the, you know, keep that at the forefront of your, of your mind, okay? When Israel longed for the promised land, it was called, or God called it, the land of milk and honey. And a lot of people imagine the Holy Land as a desert, and some of it is. But Israel is like Oregon in some ways. There's coastline to the west, forest and mountains, and on the east of the mountains is desert. But getting back to family reunions, though, families in the Bible often gathered for high feasts like Passover and Pentecost. And if you're not familiar with these, we don't have time to go over them all, but just imagine them as huge Thanksgiving-type holidays for God's people, the Israelites and the Jews from about 1500 B.C. to the time of Jesus. 2,000 years from the time of Jesus, we continue to celebrate feasts such as Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. I doubt very many of you uh, ro uh, make a roast for Pentecost, though, do you? Yeah, probably not. Right. But it's still a feast in the church. Now today, on this feast of feasts, this capital feast of Easter, we celebrate Jesus conquering sin, death, and hell, and the grave by his glorious resurrection from the dead. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, what a pitiful group of people we would be, huh? Well, some believe we are pitiful anyways, but that's their problem. When Jesus returns to sort everyone out according to their faith in Him, those who say the resurrection is a bunch of baloney, you know, never happened, people just made it up so they could oppress a bunch of other people and say hateful things against those who aren't like them, well, they will get what they want. Eternity all alone, without God. However, for those who say, yep, I believe in the resurrection, I believe Jesus is who He says, he is, and what he, what he says, man, he promises you an eternal inheritance of everything that is his. And there's a lot that's his. The world, the universe, and everything in it. Did you ever consider you are an heir of everything God owns? You are. The Apostle Peter calls our future a new heaven and a new earth. Keep that also in your mind. In the early church, Easter Sunday was the first time newly baptized and instructed Christians were formally welcomed into the church. They were greeted, given what was called a holy kiss. I don't know what that was like. I don't know if that was on the lips or the cheek or what. Top of the head. I don't know. Give me another sabbatical. I'll find that one out and write another... <laughs> I'll write a book on that one too. But they were congratulated on Easter Sunday for being released from the slavery of sin and to be free children of God. However, right before their first communion, when, when they received the body and blood of Jesus, they were first given a cup of water mixed with milk and honey. Hmm. Now that practice seems to have passed away in American churches these days. Sounds like fun, though. We should bring it back. Right. Right? 
We'd have to come up with a, some alternative, though, for those who are allergic to honey and lactose intolerant. Uh, that's just the way it is. Okay, the point, the point being, though, that it's a big deal to be in worship on Easter Sunday. It's like a, it's like a prodigal son returning to his waiting father where a rich feast has been prepared. When someone is welcomed into God's household of faith, it is a family reunion and a time of feasting. The prophet Isaiah calls a family reunion in Isaiah uh, chapter 25. He says, uh, he says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine. That's our future together. The banquet Isaiah describes is the eternal feast of heaven in which all of God's people, you and I, will partake in the future. And even though we're not having communion today, this service is still a feast. It's still a banquet today. I mean, we had a breakfast downstairs for you, so that was the, you know, we did have the food part, but we also feast on the Word of God, which is the bread of life. You hear it, you take it in, and you live. It's also a feast today because someone opened the door for you. That is Jesus Christ, your crucified Lord, who is not dead but risen and victorious. Jesus has once and for all destroyed the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. Jesus has swallowed up and even eaten death forever by rising from the dead. Heaven still awaits you, but heaven is never so far away that we cannot taste it. And I just want to go on a little excursus for a minute and talk about what heaven is because I know some of you might, I mean, we, we all come from different backgrounds and stuff. And, you know, I think that our modern assumption of heaven because of cartoons and TV shows and movies show, uh, makes us think that heaven is like little, puff, little cherubs plucking harps on puffy clouds, right? That's our future? <laughs> no, no. In the Lutheran church, and I can't speak for, you know, all the different churches, right? But I know in the Lutheran church, when, 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 the, when we say heaven, what we mean is the new heavens and the new earth. So, like Isaiah says, like Paul says, and some of the other prophets, we will be at a table, and we will be sitting there. We will be us, our bodies. We're not going to be floating little, puffy little cherubs, you know? You, you'll be you, I will be me, we'll still have our name, but our bodies will be made new again and perfect. So, that's heaven. Dear friends, don't miss out on this sweet and joyous day. When you believe and confess in Jesus Christ, you've already crossed over from death to eternal life. You've stepped out of your dying world that's going nowhere and entered God's world that's headed for a new day that lasts for an eternity. Every single one of you, including me, have our share of sin and pain and death outside this sanctuary. But all that falls short compared to what our life will be on the new earth. Heaven is our promised land. It is perfect and peaceful where the feast never ends. However, until we're there, we have to live with the frailties of this life. 
We live with broken and strained relationships. We live grieving a loved one who is not here. We live with a job loss or a dissolved plan for education. We worry daily about family, home, and school safety. As a result, all of us are longing for rest while these troubles remain out of our control. When God told Moses through the burning bush that he would lead God's people out of slavery and into the promised land of milk and honey, Israel couldn't wait to enter it. However, soon they were sinful and rebellious. Further, many didn't get to enter it because they died along the way because they blamed both God and Moses for their troubles. Until who was ever left over entered the promised land, they did not like living in tents and moving whenever God told them to move. They were tired of the same old food, longed for fresh, clean water, and wanted more variety. So they grumbled. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to die here, Moses? They were so angry that they were ready to stone Moses and tell God that life was better in Egypt. Well, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes life feels long and you got to endure and it's easy to grow impatient. Sometimes it's like, you know, just, Lord, just stop the world for a minute so I can get off and take a break. It is those times you need God's promised treasures of milk and honey. So receive it always where it is offered in God's Word. You can receive it in church, you can receive it at home, read it to each other, read it to yourselves. Life is often frustrating, making us think that we deserve more out of this life than what God gives us. But we do not want to sit in that rebellion for one more minute. Only one thing is needed, dear friends, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Only He can feed your hungry soul in the wilderness as we wait for the promised land of heaven. Just as God gave Israel manna daily to survive in the Sinai and the Negev deserts, God still gives you the bread of life, Jesus. Going back to family reunions one more time. They're great and all, but they end. Everybody packs up the car, takes the leftovers with them, goes their separate ways, they all go home. But God's kingdom, His reunion of all of us with Him and, as, and, and He as the head of the family is everlasting. And this reunion begins today. God has given you something to eat here that is far better than anything the world can give you. Here with your ears, you tasted the fruit of the promised land milk and honey. You need a recap in case you drifted off or distracted or just forgot already what you heard. Hey, I've been there. I've listened to preachers before and like, you know, five minutes into it, I'm like, huh? Well, what did he say? Huh? <laughs> you and I were born into sin and like Israel have sinned repeatedly against God. But he died for you on Good Friday and rose from death on Easter to take your sin onto himself, die with it, bury it, and rise again with you from the tomb to make you a new person. An eternal person. A new person who's going to live forever and feast at a banquet of the best food and drink you've ever had. Eat from heaven's table now. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. 
Hallelujah. Now enjoy your Easter brunch and your Easter dinner with friends and family, but remember, nothing beats this feast of the promised land, giving you the foretaste of heaven. Amen.